0: Botched executions occur when there is a breakdown in, or departure from, the protocol for a particular method of execution. The protocol can be established by the norms, expectations, and advertised virtues of each method by the government's officially adopted execution guidelines. Botched executions are those involving unanticipated problems or delays that cause, at least arguably, unnecessary agony for the prisoner, or that reflects gross incompetency of the executioner. Hi everybody and welcome back to the Dark Histories podcast. Hope everybody is well. I'm Rob, your host as always. For episode 22, we're going to look at some of history's botched execution. We will look at three individual cases throughout history, and hopefully you'll enjoy them. Listener's discretion is advised for this one as the descriptions are quite graphic. So without further ado, please sit back and relax for more Dark History. Our first story is the unfortunate tale of Mary Queen of Scots and her terrible execution. Born to King James of Scotland and his French wife, Mary inherited her father's throne when she was just six days old. Eager to create an alliance with France, The Scots promised Mary to the heir of the French king, and sent her to be raised in his court. The 18-year-old was briefly queen of both Scotland and France, when her husband ascended to the throne in 1559. However, when he died of an ear infection only a year later, she was sent back to her native country. Following a tumultuous and brief rule of her homeland, Mary, Queen of Scots, was forced to abdicate and seek refuge in England. After a mere three years in Scotland, Queen Elizabeth welcomed her royal cousin, albeit cautiously. Mary was allowed to live in various castles, where she could be observed closely by different noblemen, loyal to her cousin. After 19 years as a virtual prisoner in England, Mary was implicated in a plot to overthrow Elizabeth, and the English Queen ordered her cousin to be sentenced to death. But in Elizabethan times, this method of execution was much more preferable to being hanged, drawn and quartered. Elizabeth's mother, Anne Boleyn, had herself been beheaded by a French swordsman, called in especially to execute a former queen. After being forced to strip to her underclothes in front of all the witnesses, Mary said farewell to her weeping servants and approached the executioners. One of her ladies in waiting tied a handkerchief to cover her eyes then left her kneeling and praying in Latin on a cushion. Blindfolded, the former queen was forced to grope around for the block before she was able to place her chin upon it in preparation for the mortal blow. Unfortunately for Mary, her life would not end with one clean stroke of the blade. As one executioner held her in place, the other lifted the axe and brought it down onto her neck, but the executioner had missed his target, and the blade did not go cleanly through. Quickly, he lifted the axe again and struck once more, and Mary Queen of Scots made a very small noise, but didn't move from her place throughout this terrible process. Yet even after two blows, the royal head had still not been completely severed. The executioner was forced to swing again to cut the one little gristle attaching it to the body. He then lifted the bloody trophy up before the gathering witnesses Solemnly proclaimed, God save the Queen. Winkfield gruesomely noted the Queen's head was almost unrecognisable, and that her lips remained to move for a quarter of an hour after her decapitation. In one final macabre scene, when the executioner went to remove Mary's garters, he noticed her tiny pet dog had been hidden underneath the dress the whole time. They could not get the animal to abandon his dead mistress. It ran out from her clothes to lay down in a puddle of blood between the severed head and neck. Mary Queen of Scots was buried in Peterborough Cathedral. Although when her son James I First succeeded Elizabeth as ruler of England, he had her body exhumed and buried in Westminster Abbey. She remains there to this day, right across from her cousin. Our next botched execution takes us to San Diego and the story of Yankee Jim. Yankee Jim was a French Canadian. He had come to San Diego to try his luck as a miner and quickly earned a bad reputation around town. The Herald noticed that he was a big fellow, six foot three or four. In 1852, Yankee Jim and two other men stole a rowboat in San Diego Harbour. They were arrested and Jim was tried for grand larceny. The punishment, fixed by the jury, which included two men who owned the boat, was death. That night, Jim laughed at the verdict. He believed it was a prank, a trick to scare him straight. Who on earth would hang someone for a rowboat? Two Catholic priests pleaded with him to consider his immortal soul. But Jim just brushed them off. He wouldn't actually hang, he said. The next morning, when he was led to the gallows in El Campo Santo, it slowly dawned on Jim that this was no joke. The police let him give a speech to the bystanders, claiming that he'd give piles of gold to help poor men. Then they stood him up on a mule cart with the noose about his neck. He struggled to stay on his feet as the mules drove off, but he fell. On the account of his height, the fall didn't break his neck and he slowly choked to death, with his boots grazing the sand. To add insult to injury. He was too tall to fit in a standard coffin, so his legs were broken to accommodate him. Our third and final tale for tonight's episode is the tale of Margaret Pole and another gruesome beheading. Margaret Pole, or Margaret Plantagenet, was the daughter of the Duke of Clarence, brother of two Plantagenet kings, Edward V and Richard III, and his wife, Lady Isabella Neville the daughter of Warwick the Kingmaker. She was born on the 14th of August 1473 and married Sir Richard Poe in 1491, having five children before she was widowed in 1505. One of her children was Reginald Poe, who became a cardinal and the Archbishop of Canterbury during the reign of Mary I. At the beginning of King Henry VIII's reign, she was in favour. The king allowed her to become the 8th Countess of Salisbury and she was Lady Mary's godmother and governess. But things went rather pear-shaped when her son, Reginald Pole spoke out against the king's annulment of his marriage to Catherine of Aragon. Things got even worse when Reginald published a book which denounced Henry VIII's policies. This brazen insult to the king made Henry want to wreak revenge on the Pole family the situation was not helped by the Countess of Salisbury's Plantagenet blood, which Henry VIII also saw as a threat. In November 1538, various members of the Pole family were arrested for treason and taken to the Tower of London. In January 1539, many of them were executed. Even though the Countess was elderly for Tudor times, being 65 years of age in 1538, she was questioned and taken to Cowdray House near Midhurst. In May 1539 a bill of attainder was issued against her by Thomas Cromwell and a tunic displaying five wounds, which was used as a symbol in the Northern Rebellions. This was used as evidence against her, having alleged been found in her belongings. She was stripped of her titles and imprisoned in the Tower of London. After two years of being imprisoned as a traitor in the Tower, the now frail 67-year-old Plantagenet heurist was executed. As a woman of noble birth, Margaret Pole was given a private execution. There are two accounts of her execution. One says that she was executed by an inexperienced axeman who missed her neck the first time, cashing her shoulder, and that it took a further ten blows to finish her off. The second account tells of how she managed to escape from the block and then she was hewed down by the executioner as she ran. This second account concurs with the first that it says that eleven blows were required to kill her. Whichever account you believe, this lady had a truly awful end. I will never understand how Henry could take his anger out on a frail old lady who was no threat to him and who had acted as a mother figure to his daughter Mary. On the 29th of December, 1886, Pope Leo XIII beatified Margaret, making her blessed Margaret Pole, a Catholic martyr. Her feast day is the 28th of May, the date that some sources give as her execution date. These are the words found on the walls of her cell, and thought to have been etched by Margaret. For traitor on the block should die. I am no traitor, no not I, my faithfulness stands fast and so, towards the block I shall not go, nor make one step, as you shall see, Christ in thy mercy, save thou me. So there you go, a couple of stories of botched executions throughout history, there are many more and I can do more if people want it, but can you imagine the terror of this? Especially for Margaret Pole and Mary Queen of Scots. Laid there with your neck on a block just praying it's quick. And you have a bumbling idiot hacking and slashing away at it. Doesn't bear thinking about. In the case of Yankee Jim, generally, it was just poor math skills. Fancy being hanged for stealing a boat. He, like the two ladies, obviously was killed as some sort of vendetta against them. Because the other men in Valve got off scot-free. He must have just rubbed people up the wrong way. Anyway, as we all know, it's coming up to Christmas, or the holidays, for my American listeners. And I'm obviously thinking of specials for that time. Now, I don't know if to cover a story that is centred around Christmas. Or if any of the listeners want to send me where they live, and I can find a dark history tale and read them out. Something that did go down well on my TikTok channel, which was called Hometown Horrors. Yes, I understand you're sending your town name to a random stranger on the internet, but honestly, I have my own stories. I don't need to make any more. If it's something you would like, then email me. TikTok, YouTube, Insta, and now, Twitter. Which I'm just getting used to, and I know it's very 2010. That's where you can reach me, though. Anyway, if you like this episode, please drop us a review. It really helps the podcast out. If you think friends and family may like it, then share it with them. Links to TikTok, YouTube, Insta, and the show email, and now the aforementioned Twitter are below. If you've been listening to us for a while, why not subscribe? Please do it, then you never miss an episode. I've been looking for ways to read my reviews all in one place, Uh, Because I thought you couldn't do that. And now I seem to have found a way to do it. So I really appreciate the people who have taken the time to do it. Something that I read talks about my editing skills. I do apologise. I started the podcast in January of this year. So I'm learning on my feet. Everything is done by me. From the script writing and the researching to the recording and the editing. And editing skills I'm still learning. I hope you can bear with me while I iron out the kinks, and thank you again for your insights. So with all that out the way, please join me for episode 23, and more Dark History.